0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casella, and with me today is Dan Lyons.
1: Uh, happy, I guess, to, to most of our fans, happy we can focus pretty fully on basketball week.
0: Sure. I mean, we're going to yeah. focus on basketball, but... I
1: think mean, it's less happy for some of us, but right. even with a 10-3 season, I'm not going to pretend like a, a good chunk of our fans aren't like thrilled to, to be done with the distraction that was... Syracuse football.
0: I mean, that's fair. But we're not done with the distraction that was Syracuse. Football. Oh, we are certainly not done. <laughs> that anyone who's listened to this podcast for even a handful of episodes knows that 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 is not the case. Um, Dan and I are actually recording this while Syracuse is facing Clemson. Um, as of this moment, they are up seventeen to nine at the eleven thirteen mark. Um, Dan is watching on his phone. I am following on ESPN's game tracker.
1: Because is ESPN's game tracker even up to date because it probably oh, not. Right now will take this. It yeah, it's it's usually way behind when stuff's not on ESPN proper right. now. And uh, yeah, I have to watch have to watch my phone because uh, ACC Network still a couple months away. And I got a I feeling.
0: <laughs> I got a feeling we're going to be streaming a lot more than we want to.
1: Oh, I'd so much rather stream on ACC Network than have to deal with this. Uh, like figuring out where Raycom Sports is being sent.
0: Agreed. No, that th- that would be definitely preferred, especially for those of us who have a Fire Stick or any sort of uh, smart TV. The ability to just pull up the ESPN app is a is a much easier endeavor than it used to be, where you'd have to get a cord running from your computer to your TV, or just watch on your computer or your phone or whatever. And yeah, it's a, it's a much better deal now. Um,
1: yeah, I don't love the delay, obviously, but like. I have my phone pulled up right now on theACC.com, dot and like the picture's okay, but like I'm trying to watch on my cell phone while recording a podcast. It's not an optimal experience. I'd rather just have deal with a minute delay on my TV. Right.
0: Yeah. Honestly, the only reason I haven't made the switch, and like I and I have like streaming tools here, but the only reason I haven't made the switch away from Directv is because I can't do the like the delay for me because I'm usually like live tweeting the game or whatever. I just feel like it's just enough at about thirty seconds. To make me not want it. And,
1: yeah, I, and no, I'll pay extra. Yeah. I, I'm pretty happy with the table cutting in general. Uh, but. Um, the Syracuse games and the most. And the, the watching SPN games are, are a bit annoying. Although. For like college football, I'm usually at work. So it's not even an issue. We have cable table there. But uh, yeah. The occasions where I have to watch Syracuse uh, at home. And they're not on one of the re- regular ESPN networks. Isn't great. But. It is what it is. Um. And the fact that I'm able to watch this at all, I was surprised. It was like a last second thing. I'm like, oh, let me check the ACC website because I know they do it sometimes without the blackout. And uh, I guess I should be happy that I'm <laughs> not just not watching the game at all.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I, uh, the only reason I'm not watching the game like streaming is because I didn't want to mess with our bandwidth here.
1: That's fair. That is a constant battle.
0: Yeah. So uh, since the basketball game is on, we're going to talk a little football first. That way we can get like a half... And against Clemson and start to at least make a couple conclusions that don't necessarily seem dated um, whenever the podcast gets posted either Thursday or Friday. Um, So for those who weren't paying attention, Syracuse finished number 15 in the AP poll. It's the highest finish since 2001 when they finished 14th. Um, I think it's the 11th time they finished among the top 15 teams in the country in program history. Uh, That's all pretty cool, and a lot of people are pretty high on Syracuse for next year too. Uh, The informed kind of commentators um, around the country seem to think that they are a top 25 team once again. Uh, A few different sites left us off. Uh, Shun the non-believers, as it were. But um, plenty of folks are fans. ESPN being the biggest one, having us all the way up at number 15. Um, a lot of other folks had us kind of in that 18 to 21 range, which I think is fair. Um, Dan, I don't know if you put together your own full kind of way-too-early top 25. I did in the comments. But, um, I, yeah, I, th- I thought 18 was a pretty fair number just because we don't know what's going to happen with the defensive line. The offensive line is going to take some work, as are the linebackers. And then, you know, we know Tommy DeVito can play, but we don't necessarily know, you know, if, if – He's going to be able to replicate um, the sort of production that Dungy had, you know, right away, or if it's going to take a few games to get rolling.
1: Yeah, I think I think I think anywhere in the top twenty-five, honestly, is like relatively fair. I think it's hard to really argue with any of those spots. I think being outside the top twenty-five is is kind of lazy. Um, but you know, there are legitimate questions. Like you know, Devito looked good in a couple spots. He looked pretty bad against Notre Dame, and I guess against Western Michigan. Although, who cares about that one? Right. Um, so I think if DeVito plays like he did in the Florida State second half and the UNC second half when he came in, like, there's a very good chance he's putting up top numbers, better numbers than Dunges, better passing numbers, for sure, I would guess. If he is more consistent, which, you know, he's going to be a redshirt sophomore, taking his, making his first, uh, first stint as QB1, that, that's a very distinct possibility. Um, I think it's very easy to look at Syracuse losing, I think technically losing seven starters on offense or six starters on offense, uh, three along the offensive line, I believe. But like losing Custis is not great because he uh, gave us uh, such a, a different look and such a, a physical presence at receiver. But we return pretty much everyone behind him. Right. Um, we uh, have a, a just loaded situation at running back with uh, Moneal, Abdul Adams, Jarvion Howard, and a couple other younger, younger guys stepping in. Uh, defensive backfield is very young, very talented. Defensive line depends on what we see from some of the uh, older guys, whether they make, take a shot at the NFL or come back. It sounds like Dino said that he expected everyone back that could come back. Um, so yeah, I, I think in that, that back half of the top 25 is pretty fair.
0: Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point on the offense. I think losing Custis isn't great, but at the same time, um, you know, having guys like Tristan Jackson Ed Hendricks, who uh, was injured this season and didn't get to play at all, uh, will be a redshirt freshman next year. Uh, obviously, you know, Taj Harris came in and and really impressed. I think Custis had the size to always be physically imposing and at times used that size. I feel like a lot of times he didn't necessarily use that six five frame uh, to his full benefit. I think in some ways, you know, guys like. Steve Ishmael and and Amadatavo, who were more in the six three six four range, uh, they probably did a little bit better job of leveraging size advantages down the field. And that's not to take away from what Custis did, but I do think that you know there, there, there's a there's a chance we don't see much of a drop off there. I think. With the youth right now at receiver, the fact, again, that we're getting Tristan Jackson added in um, to basically replace Custis, um, I, I think we're in a pretty good spot there. And, and, and we've covered before how deep that receiver group is. The running backs are going to be you know, pretty great again. I think the line is going to be the biggest question, and that's really just going to be you know, dictated by how we shuffle things around. I think Aaron Service probably ends up a tackle, um, with Sam Heckle kind of jumping into center. Both of them are experienced players. Um, so they'll both, I'd say, without much doubt, start. Um, you probably end up with uh, with Evan Adams starting, and that'll be three, you know, guys who have at least like ten to twelve starts under their belts. Um, so as much as the, losing the three starters hurts, I think we're we're uniquely positioned right now um, to actually replace those guys. And you look underneath, and there's a lot of you know redshirt sophomores, redshirt freshmen, guys who can, similar to this line, similar to the line back in 2012. You know, kind of work the way up the depth chart together, um, and 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 become a really you know solid group. Once this current um, list of starters kind of shuffles out,
1: yeah, that, that's the nice thing is we do have some depth at the o line position. Obviously, they played pretty well this year, um, but you know we, we, we lose Toyota Martin, uh, we lose a few others, um, but I think we're we're not like just starting completely new at three of those spots. We have guys who have played years past. We have guys who have shuffled in and out. So I, I, it's a concern for sure, and, and it won't be quelled until you see them play. But I think it's less of a dire situation than we've seen ourselves in with some of the previous like, experience offensive line moving on.
0: Oh, completely. Um, but yeah, I, I think in general, like, the schedule, as we've talked about numerous times, we don't need to rehash, like, is very manageable. Um, you, know, you basically have a similar schedule to last year and just slot in Maryland for, for Notre Dame. Yes, the game's on the road. Yes, Maryland might be pesky, but if you want to take anything from the uh, you know, college football playoff national championship on Monday, uh, Michael Oxley's play calling is not always great. Uh, <laughs> obviously, he'll have some help there uh, with the Terps, but you, know, you have to think there's going to be a few growing pains for, for Maryland early on, and that could be something that Syracuse is able to take advantage of. Um, provided you know we're all healthy and things are firing on all cylinders which in year four of Dino Babers I would expect that they do um so again not not chalking that one up to to a surefire win but I I think you can you know easily talk yourself into three and one and four and oh is really not much of a stretch um in that non-conference slate and and then kind of go from there like it's not too hard to see how Syracuse finds its way to, to seven or eight wins um you know as kind of a oddly, floor for next year. I mean, I'd, I'd say the floor is six, like, realistically, in case disaster strikes, but I, I feel like I'd be disappointed if we don't see at least seven.
1: Yeah, I think, honestly, like, I, we, we've always been pretty conservative about tempering expectations with this team. I would be fairly disappointed with that schedule without winning seven or eight, um, and I don't think necessarily you look at, like, a 2 and drop-off if we were to win eight games as like a huge step back, I think. Um we were talking about it earlier in the week. Like we definitely did some work on like the twin flip games that we had just been getting hammered on for years. Um, There were other games like the Florida State game wasn't really a twin flip game. We just beat them pretty straight up. Um, But like UNC we could have easily lost, NC State we could have lost. So we we definitely like had our share of of lucky moments going in our favor this year for the first time in forever. So uh, winning only eight games uh, next year, like, hypothetically, obviously, we have no idea how it's going to play out. Like, I could see some people getting annoyed by that, but really, it's more like we're settling into, like, where we should be if it's, we're running a good Syracuse program in the ACC. Like, eight wins is probably around the median, hopefully. And then you have your, your years, like, this year where you have some things go your way. You win 10, you win 11. Like, most years in, their, in our spot this year, we would have gone to the Orange Bowl. Uh, and in others, like, you know, you might only win six or seven. But, um, I do think with the schedule being a saver was it is, winning fewer than seven or eight would be a, a bit disappointing, although nothing to, like, go crazy about unless we were to, like, three and nine.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I completely agree there. And I think, you know, fans probably need to level set just a little bit, and, and we have all offseason to do that. But, like, when you think about it, um, I know I broke this down in the comments the other day. Like, most of the teams in the ACC are going to be about the same or a little bit better I think the only teams are going to be like worse in any significant way or even in any like measurable way us. And we really don't know how far that is. It might be nothing. Um, I think NC state is a little bit worse without Ryan Finley. I think Duke gets a little bit worse without Daniel Jones Um, and Wake gets a little bit worse without Greg Dortch, without that, you know, senior laden offensive line. Um, That's really it. Um, I think those are the four teams that like you maybe look at for a little regression, um, everybody else is probably poised to be the same or better. Um, it helps that three of those teams that are declining are on our schedule. Um, but again, we're, we're potentially there too um, because, you know, in spite of what we think about DeVito and, and what DeVito wasn't always flawless. He probably won't always be flawless um, when when he takes over next year. And that's fine. You know, redshirt sophomore, it's going to take a few growing pains to kind of get into rhythm and, and, and that is what it is but you you look at that you look at the fact the acc is not going to be the train wreck that it was largely this year outside of you know us and clemson um clemson could potentially even be better which might be disheartening to some teams um i i think realistically like those toss-ups um on an annual basis you know we usually count toss-ups um pitt nc state wake bc um, a lot of years that we've been bad we've gone oh and four against that group um this year we went three and one against that group um if we can go three and one again against that group we're going to a ball game um you know plain and simple and and, and you know it gets back to that theory that I, I harp on all the time of like in most years is going to lose four and win and win four and everything else is kind of dictated by what happens in the middle now we won more than four than you know the the top level of that eight and four this year um but i think that that's a that's not necessarily a it's a rarity, and it's not necessarily something that everybody should just automatically get used to. We might just win 10 games again next year, but you know, just because you do it one or two years in a row with a down conference and, and, and a manageable schedule doesn't mean that like anything below that is a disappointment. I think if SU can establish itself as a consistent 7-8 win team, um, that's great. And if you want to jump up every few years, every five years maybe, and, and win 10 games, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I think you just we have, have to become comfortable with Syracuse being who they are and not freaking out if we have a couple of years where things just don't, like, improve uh, year over year. Like, it's just not – there's not going to be – after a while, we're not going to have, like, a constant upward trend in terms of raw wins. You just hope that the program continues to build in terms of something that that recruits think of as, like, a top 25-ish program or a competitive program in the ACC. Uh, You hope maybe, like, some sort of – not conference realignment, but, like, divisional realignment kind of – Comes about and maybe helps us out a little bit with being stuck in the division with Clemson and a, a will eventually not be bad. Florida State. I don't know <laughs> when that will be. I don't know if it'll be under Willie Taggart. Um, I think there. I think that whole situation's been a little bit over uh, a little bit reactive since their their season. Um, considering Taggart's had a lot of success elsewhere, it just usually takes him a little bit. Um, but either way, like they will in the next five years, Florida State will be probably a a power again, no matter how it happens. Um, so, you know, you just have to, to be realistic about where Syracuse's place in the world is while hoping that you can, in the long uh, the long term, start to up that versus just getting stuck where, like, you know, nothing changes, kind of like where we were when we fired Coach P, where, you know, things weren't bad. Uh, if we, you know, we'd signed for the end of Coach P compared to the G Rob years or the Schaefer years, but I totally get why he was fired. Um, And it doesn't mean that it was a wrong decision to fire him. It just means that the the processes afterwards were not good. Um, So, yeah, I I think uh, we are a long way from getting worried about stagnation, though, because I think Babers uh, will be here for hopefully, I mean, at least one more year, hopefully longer, uh, depending on what that contract looks like uh, and depending on what uh, the rest of the college football world shakes out to be. And uh, we can kind of keep things rolling here. It's a nice nice time to not have to, like, worry about – you know, oh, we have to, like, make this improvement or else some crazy shakeups going to happen.
0: <laughs> Speaking of crazy shakeups, uh something else that's not going to happen is Dino Babers is not going to go coach Baylor. That's not just because Matt Rule uh, is not the Jets coach. It's just because it wasn't going to happen to begin with. Um, yeah. We was definitely seeing a little bit of, uh, you know, Pollyanna-ish uh, things going on. And I understand that SU fans... Have their moments, and and I'm part of that too. Like where you know you, you get unnecessarily worked up, and and you get worried about things that that you know kind of speak to maybe some sort of inferiority complex that's ingrained um, in, in our psyche here and there. But like in general, I've said this before. You said this before. Like Power Five coaches don't leave for other Power Five jobs unless you're one of those big jobs, and like Baylor isn't one of those. Baylor still has like NCAA issues that they could potentially be dealing with down the road. Um, I mean, Matt Rule's done a great job down there, um, turning things around. But at the same time, like, do you really want to have to hit reset at Baylor, given everything that's gone on over there? And like, I mean, Bavers was there for some of it, and you know, hasn't isn't linked to anything that any of the things that happened there. But at the same time, like, if you're him, why would you want to go back there? and deal with that
1: people are overrating like the babers being at baylor thing and not in terms of like the the concerns like i think we all had like concerns when the baylor scandal is rising it it, luckily the timeline seems to uh mostly vindicate him yeah um but like he wasn't a baylor alum or he wasn't a you know a texas guy he didn't grow up in in waco uh he wasn't like you know his dream job it wasn't any of those things. He just happened to have a, long, a relatively long, at least for Baber's career, stint as an assistant at Baylor. And then he had two other jobs before he came to SU. So um, it wasn't like, you know, just as he spent some time there doesn't mean he was going to go take that job. You could say the same thing about uh, when the Arizona job job opened last year. Like, obviously he didn't have the success yet, but, like, if Arizona fires someone after next year, just as he spent some years at Arizona doesn't mean he's going to go back there. So, um, yeah, I think when you look at these openings, especially like a Baylor you have to look at the situation and say, like, is a, you know, almost 60-year-old Dino Babers going to want to take over that kind of a rebuild? Right. Which, when Rule got there after Bryles got fired, um, basically a full year after Bryles got fired, that thing was, like, gutted to the to the studs. Um, and he's done a really nice job of getting them back to a bowl in two years. Um, but if Rule was to leave, and there's a reason they gave him a giant seven-year contract um, right off the, right out of the gates, like... It was not... They had to pull him out of Temple because it was a bad situation. Uh, He took it. um, He's done a nice job. If he was to leave for the Jets' job, which obviously is not happening now because they hired Adam Gase instead, it sounds like rule... It kind of sounds like that he turned him down, which is somewhat surprising, but not really considering, you know, he does have that that crazy job security. Um, Like, that's going to be another pretty big rebuild, and I can't imagine Babers leaving unless it's for just, like, a knockout uh, situation. Like... I mean, the, the jobs we've brought up. USC, you know, if it, if it opens up and they want Babers, more power to them. Auburn, even Auburn is, is so crazy with the, in terms of the fan expectations there. I think you'd have to look, think long and hard about it, but if he was to go there, you you understand. Um, you know, if something went weird with O'Brien Day at Ohio State in a couple of years, like, those are all situations that you get, but Baylor's not one of them. Like, Baylor's just not a much better job, um, especially with, like, Oklahoma is absolutely rolling right now. Uh, Texas, Texas looks yeah. like it's turned things around. Um, Oklahoma State's going to get better. They had like a down year and still went to a bowl. Uh, Texas Tech, who knows what happens with uh, with Matt Wells there, but like they're on the same – I mean, they were actually decent this year for all the all the stuff about uh, Kingsbury's hire at the Cardinals. Like, Texas Tech had a lot of bad luck this year. Um, so it's, it's just not a uh, – Houston just hired uh, Holgerson – uh, and we'll probably get better. So, like, it is not a a super great job. Um yeah, there's I mean, far, job, so, there's far still... too
0: many things to leap over there. Like, I mean, Babers just proved this year that, that in three years he'd get Syracuse to mean the second-best team in the conference. Like, that's not going to happen down in the Big 12 with Texas, Oklahoma. Like, what looks like a fully operational Iowa State. What looks like, again, an improved... You know Oklahoma State with a lot of you know long, longevity in in, in uh, what's his face uh, Mike Gundy Thunder, who gets and like ascension an every year yeah exactly like <laughs> all, the all of these guys like West Virginia is gonna like bounce back probably with Neil Brown like the, the there there's so many fa- I mean even Kansas with less Miles like there's there's no reason. Like well, any coach, not just Babers, would jump over to the Big Twelve right now, um, unless you had like some sort of you know unique situation. And like if Babers is going anywhere, it's probably USC, and it's not this off season because you know SC is you know right in his backyard where you know he spent a lot of his time as a kid, like in Southern California. SC is one of those jobs that can pretty much poach whoever they want um, around college football. And like I know it, 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 it's weird and dumb we're even talking about this, but. We only bring it up because it is a a conversation amongst the fan base and it's something that I wanted to at least you know knock down sort of briefly today was just that like, we already knew that he wasn't going there, but just to be clear uh, there are only a a, a very small list of of jobs that he's going to. Baylor's not one of them. I think we spelled out a good amount of reasons why. So when random, like if SC doesn't open up next offseason and if no other big jobs open up and you see some random job like vandy or somewhere else maybe gary patterson retires i don't know like hold your horses and let's let things play out because chances are like unless one of those big unless one of those big jobs opens there's there's not a there's not a huge chance it's not to say it's a completely you know it can't happen, but there's not a very big chance that that Babers or any other coach of, of a similar stature is going to head down in that direction.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's. I think we should like compile at some point in the offseason, like compile a list of like things, to, jobs to worry about if they open, right? Like full stop. Like these are the 25 schools where if they were to open, we would have to worry about you know Babers leaving for them. 25 uh, is
0: a is is a very large number.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that was just like a. Mm-hmm. a you know, shouting out. Of course. Um, yeah, and USC even like with their hiring and we go over it all the time because we make fun of USC a lot. Like with their hiring practices, generally there, and the fact that Lynn Swan is a bad a at impression- this <laughs> questionable athletic director. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, there's no guarantee he would even get a call because he doesn't have like connections directly there. So, yeah, let's uh let's all take a deep breath. He's not. but He's not. He's not going to Baylor now. He probably wasn't going to Baylor anyway. Um, but we can we also not do this? Like, can we not be the fan base that like loses loses its mind every time? Like, our last head coach that left went to the NFL, and like people lost their mind about that. Uh, it's it's shocking like it, that Matt Rule honestly didn't isn't joining the NFL. Like that's the that's the surprising one. Not that like Marone did. So like we need to to all step back and realize what Syracuse is and what Syracuse isn't, and also like it, it, it's on either end here. Like, we are not a place that is going to get poached by a middling Big 12 school after we just gave our coach what is supposed to be a very competitive contract, and we are also not the school that's so good that our, our you know, alumnus head coach is not allowed to go to the pros. So we need to find our center here as a, as a fan base and come to uh, peace with the things that happen in college sports.
0: Speaking of the head coach that went to uh, the NFL, I feel like the Majaction episode almost got him fired. <laughs> Because after, do, we have a
1: date? do we have a date on that? Because it was definitely early in the year before. After, um, to-
0: after that episode, the Jags only won two more games.
1: Oh God, what did we do? The last time we did this, we have weird. We have weird things, especially like talking about USC, the the, the, <laughs> the Helton experiment a couple years ago. We
0: actually kept. We actually got. We kept Dino Babers here because we turned USC around a few years ago.
1: Yes, we directly went to USC's Rose Bowl. Because he uh, would have been
0: fired if they hadn't gone to that Rose Bowl.
1: Probably. they Literally, I think they won out after that episode. Yeah,
0: they they, they didn't lose another game the rest of the calendar year. Uh, (laughs) We have that. We have the weird Tulane uh, branding stuff. And then this. We created a nonsense word. And then Doug Marone wept. And so did the Jaguars. Oh, well. at, At least it gave the good place more material.
1: Yeah, and at least, uh, well, the Good Place also kind of did it by having the episode where they're like, "Oh, the Jags are good now," <laughs> which is around the same time it was. You so um, watch a Good Place on NBC if you don't. Yeah, Everyone to this, please do
0: or Hulu, where where uh, I I will randomly watch episodes just because it's a great show. It's,
1: uh, it's like up there with like best shows on television, regardless of genre. I would it's very dope.
0: I would very much agree. Um, before we get to halftime, because I think right now, I've got a few minutes. Um, Dan, some quick thoughts about Monday's game between Clemson and Alabama. I know you were as surprised as everybody else was. I was stunned, though, by the way it happened and that Clemson just physically dominated. Um, they had more speed. They didn't beat Alabama the way Alabama gets beat, where it's it's a spread offense and Alabama, you know, just has a couple of turnovers early or doesn't score early and then has to play catch up and play outside themselves. like. Alabama looked out of their element. Nick Saban looked out of his element. I've I've rarely seen a drubbing like that of a truly great team.
1: It's it's so rare to see Alabama actually shook. I think the last time was maybe when Ezekiel Elliott broke that crazy run against them in that Ohio State semifinal game. Yeah. Um, but it's like it's like occasionally Alabama loses about a game a year. Um, but it's, it's not like this. Always, yeah, it's almost always dramatic. It's always it's always it's yeah, almost always, like, some David strategy involved. This was Clemson just beating the hell out of him. Um, The Solid Verbales actually compiled, like, an incredible list of the 08-19 Alabama losses, and you can, like, remember each – they're so notable that you just say a word or two and then you remember the games, and the list is Tebow, Utah, Stephen Garcia, which is the funniest one, <laughs> uh Strass Cam, Cam Newton, 9-6, uh, to 6, the crazy, stupid LSU game, Johnny Football, the kick six, uh, tre- Trevor uh, uh, Oklahoma quarterback, Trevor Knight uh, Dr. Bo, uh Tardell Jones and Zeke uh, Swag Kelly, Deshaun Watson in the in the championship game, Jared Siddon in the Iron Bowl last year and then Trevor Lawrence this year like this, that's, this is the only one where they definitively I think just got beaten up since maybe like I don't remember the Tebow game and I don't really remember the Utah game too much um, but like by far the, the worst Alabama loss since 1998 the worst Saban loss uh, since he was in the NFL. Uh, the, four, the first two store Alabama loss since Saban was at LSU and beat Alabama by two stores. So there, there are just so many notable numbers here, uh, and it's really wild. Yeah,
0: I, uh, I think I, I think thankfully, I think my favorite part of all this, as much as I was bummed to see Clemson win, I, I am very happy that the uh, nobody believes in this narrative for Dabo could finally die. Um, he tried
1: to keep it going he did try to keep it going little old Clemson dude I did, I did appreciate the uh the uh Cleland Furl and uh Christian Wilkins cutting the show tonight promo after the game was wonderful that was great uh it was so good it's funny because like Clemson really is and people may note of it after like you think of Clemson being modeled after Alabama because Dabo is from Alabama although he never worked for Saban um, but Clemson, like to their credit, and and obviously we have our own issues with them. Like they do seem to kind of be the anti-Alabama in terms of like the players actually have fun. Right. I do think Dabo kind of like spins the yarn a little bit with all of his like religiosity and all like the uh, oh little old us stuff. When he you know they have crazy facilities and invest in their football, um, like nuts and have made like this really concerted effort to become a football school. To their credit, I think they're the first, the first school to like elevate themselves to blue blood status since. Uh, know, Miami? Probably, probably Miami, yeah.
0: Well, Florida, I guess. Because I think Florida, as much as... I think Florida did it after.
1: Yeah, like Florida probably I think is Meyer the most recent. Probably, but I, think, I think Spurrier, they were flirting with it. Right. And I think Meyer. Okay, so Florida's probably the answer. Yeah. Because Oregon never got there, and yeah. they were close.
0: Yeah, Oregon was the closest until here. I mean, Clemson was...
1: Clemson did it. They were a, yeah. a good program until a couple of years ago. Until that Ohio State, the first Ohio State win, I think is what started it
0: yeah i mean honestly and like not to tie it directly to basketball but like for those that were pining for you know villanova to be included in a blue blood conversation for those even thinking that gonzaga belong near a blue blood conversation like no this is what th- this is how you become a blue blood is i think nova's
1: getting there but they, they Nova's still getting there
0: but they're not there yet
1: like the span it to be a little longer because nova could like this year nova's gonna fall off and that's fine um, but if Nova recovers and wins another title in like three or four years,
0: they, yeah, they now, probably yeah, now no, no they're there. But like at the same time, like UConn's on a blue blood, and UConn's won four titles. Like I think, and you know, I, I I have this conversation all the time, and I get a lot of hate mail from former Big East foes of ours. Um, but like, Clemson actually did it, where they they built themselves up. Over a five to seven-year stretch into an absolute machine, and, and never really took a step back. Like that's the amazing part. I think is just never. And again, this is not to praise Clemson too much, but never took a step back in there. Really, like just progressively marched up the up the rankings. And like, if and the inflection point is that Orange Bowl loss. The
1: West Virginia loss yeah. It was like whatever happened after that. They stuck with well. They
0: they, and- they hired uh, Venables.
1: Yes, that was and, and after Oklahoma ran him out of town, which is hilarious. Right. Um. And it's crazy because like when Dabo was hired, like he was the wide receivers coach. I don't think anyone expected him to keep the job. Yeah. No. Um. They just they like to their credit and and this is just like completely. You have to like put your put your biases aside. Like comes in, decided right off the bat they were going to pay for court Like pay to make the staff great. Dabo had a vision, however, like weird it was that he was the one to have it. He had clearly had like a, a, a you know blueprint to getting this done uh, and they've just like they've dedicated themselves to becoming a great football school which you could talk about like priorities being misaligned or whatever and there's some fairness to that but like I guarantee you Clemson University is rolling in applications to, like, uh, uh, I, I, I really I wish I could pull up the numbers cause I know even after like what was it after the Johnny Manziel year? A and M's donations were like up a crazy, crazy number. Um, I bet you the Clemson, the year over year, if you compare this to like 2004, is insane, and it's it's largely because kids see that football program, and that is what so many schools say, like the front door to the school. But like that's true, and if you want to make it, like, if you want to go become a, a a college sports powerhouse, like there is value in that. Um, SU
0: did it too in 2003. There, there were, there were tons of articles about it, how they had never had more applicants and like, they ended up like running out of space, like for accepted students because based on the regular percentages, like everything went out of whack just because of the O3 championship.
1: Yeah. It's a huge, huge deal. And you can then parlay that into good things for the school at large. Um, then you get into, like, questions about cheating, which I always get, like, accusations of thrown everywhere. I- I'm at the point where I just assume that whatever happens at one school is happening, aside from, like, some specific things. But, like, general cheating is probably happening across the board. Um, yeah. So, like, that's not that big a worry. But, like, yeah, Clemson decided they wanted to be a really great football school. And I'm sure there are other schools that have done similar things. And Clemson just found the found the the, the combination of factors that it done, which is... is pretty wild considering where they were not that long ago. And even what do you just go back to 11 and they lost by 40 points in an Orange Bowl.
0: Agreed. Good for them. And that's the last nice thing I'll we'll say about Clemson for today. <laughs> um some halftime quick and then we can talk hoops. So uh Dan, what have you been drinking?
1: Uh pretty light week for me coming off of the new year, uh which I'm sure I'm not alone with. I know a lot of people do their their dry Januarys which is fine. I I don't, but I, you know, I think naturally your your first couple weeks after New Year's and after Christmas, like if you if you're if you been drinking more heavily, I don't know what's going on with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I've had I think two new things. One is I'm drinking a Captain's Daughter uh, double IPA from Gray Sale up in Rhode Island, which I had never had before. Just a solid uh Ratsal double IPA, pretty strong citrus hot profile. Um, I think they have mosaic in here too. A uh, really nice double IPA. Uh, And then the other day I had a new school IPA from Southern Tier. I hadn't had a new Southern Tier thing in a while because it doesn't always get down here, uh, but it's on tap locally, and that's also solid. It's nothing crazy, but a couple of good IPAs.
0: Fair enough. Um, I'm one of those people that drinks more in the beginning of the year uh, because my birthday is in the first two weeks and college football championships in the first two weeks. There's just a lot of things that, like, involve drinking over the first two weeks of the, of the year. So I usually, like, slow down after that period.
1: That's very fair. If my birthday was was yours, which is tomorrow... It is. Uh, yes, yeah, happy early birthday, but on-time birthday for when people are listening.
0: 31 years, very old. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, I got some of that drinking started over this past weekend. I uh, had a bottle logic, uh, fundamental observation. It's a uh, vanilla imperial uh, stout. It is bourbon barrel aged. It's really, really good. I've had it before. Um, they expanded distribution of it a little bit this year. So I got to pick one up over at Total Wine. I was glad to share that with my wife. Um, and then yesterday, Tuesday, I uh, went over to Modern Times uh, downtown LA uh, tasting room for uh, an extended lunch. The uh, Dankness Dojo, as they've dubbed it. Um, And I had a bunch of different things. Had a uh, New England Pale Ale. The uh, Double Dry Hopped uh, Wolfgang. It was really good. Had Star Cat. It was a Hell's Lager that they made with Highland Park, which is up in LA too. Um, Had Aim True. It was their uh, table beer that they made. Uh, Path of Perspective. It was New England IPA. Um, Love Cleric was a Belgian Blonde. That was uh, it was really delicious from them, and then had a chromatic illusion, which is a Baltic porter. Um, they had a lot of like really nice chocolate notes. Um, yeah, if you're in LA at all, I highly recommend going to uh, the Dankness Dojo. The Dankness Dojo for uh, modern times, a lot of a lot of great beers there. A lot of uh, you know kind of tasting room only stuff, and you can get things to go too. So I'll have uh, I'll have even more to share next weekend.
1: Very nice. Yeah, enjoy it. definitely will. You only turn 31 once, or whatever.
0: (laughs) So I've heard. Anyway, um, as mentioned, we are in the middle of the Syracuse-Clemson game. Uh, SU's in another rock fight, but one that they're actually playing reasonably well in. Uh, Up 30 to 22 at the half. They're shooting 50% from the floor. Um, Pretty shoddy from outside, just 31 to 14. Um, Only taking three free throws. This is becoming a theme for us that we're just... Because our interior players can't shoot, we're just not even letting them shoot at this point. So we're not getting free throw opportunities. Uh, We're winning the rebound battle. We are tied in turnovers. We have the same amount of fouls. Um, Clemson shooting terribly from the floor, 8 of 25. That's a 32% clip. 2 of 8 from outside. They're a bad three-point shooting team. Um, so that is something that is going to help us. Um, also, noting on the uh, scoreboard right now, Rutgers is beating Ohio State. Ohio State, please come back in this game. I'd really like our quality win to stay quality.
1: Yeah. Can you can you not? <laughs> can can you not lose to Rutgers? Ugh.
0: Anyway. Um, so, Dan, what are you, what are your thoughts on this first half? Since you were watching things a little bit closer.
1: Um, a little bit, I, I, you know, it's hard to pay full attention. That's um, Yeah, we're not shooting great. Uh, we are basically shutting Clemson down. It's actually, it, like, looking at the shooting numbers, it really shouldn't be this close. We had a, a, a bunch of large, I think we had a 12-point lead at one point. Um, we, like you said, we, once again, are just not getting to the free throw line. Uh, we are one for three from there, which are all reset. Um... Uh, we do have a much more engaged Marek uh, who had a beautiful assist to, uh, I believe, Brissette on a nice dunk uh, on a little backdoor situation in transition. Um, he has five points. All of our starters have at least five points, so we're getting a pretty balanced uh, load here. But we are playing at a very clumsy Syracuse pace, uh, hence the thirty to twenty-two halftime score. Um, we're playing a lot better, and we've just looked a lot better the last couple of games overall. But this isn't it, basketball. Uh, yeah.
0: This isn't Virginia shit. (laughs) Like, I just don't want to watch anymore.
1: Yeah. And it is always stark when you're shooting. like 54% from the field, but 25% from three, and more than half of our shots have come from there. And, like, obviously in modern basketball, you do have to take threes. Um, You would hope that if you're not hitting, like they're not half your shots when you're this Syracuse team.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. If we're actually driving the lane, I mean, if we had the ability to drive the lane, which we probably don't, um we would we would probably be up by twelve to fifteen. Instead we're only up eight. But I mean theoretically if you if Clemson can't really make the necessary adjustments at halftime, if SU is just gonna do what they were doing, I mean nobody's really playing like super, super well, but like Dolzhai has always been a fairly accurate shooter, he's two of three, battles three for seven, actually like a little less accurate than he's been all year. Presets uh, three for six uses two for four like Frank even getting in on the action a little bit five points uh, two boards two assists so like again where I think we're seeing Frank continue to trend up um, hopefully that continues because the sooner Frank can get some I'd say if we can get Frank to seventy five percent of what he was last year we're back to being like you know a top thirty or so team in the country and then we'll see what happens from there.
1: Yeah, and even so, like, little by little, we do look better. We we obviously had the back-to-back blowouts to end the non-conference play. I thought we looked really good against Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. Overall, I know they're not at full power, but it's still Notre Dame. They're a tough, really well-coached team, and we, we did a really nice job at the Joyce Center, which is a tough place to play. Um, I assume their students aren't back, but still, uh, those old Indianans get dead after it. Um, Clemson and Syracuse, I, I think we probably should have seen this kind of team coming. I'm looking at Ken Palm. Uh, Syracuse 289th in uh, adjusted tempo, <laughs> Clemson a brisk 226. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but they're a pretty well balanced team. Like they're 48th in offense, 39th in defense. So um, if I, I, we just need to get the ball to the rim a bit more, we're we're doing good good work outside of the three point shot, which has just been a major issue. So um, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about this team overall so far. But we've seen, and, and this team generally has played pretty well in the second half the last couple weeks, but. Uh, as we've seen, like things do fall apart, but Clemson has no has no answers right now on offense, which is which is uh, is good as long as they don't turn it around. But I think we've we've been pretty solid about putting the clamps on, especially in the in the stretch runs uh, in these recent wins. So hopefully, we we'll keep that going, and we can add another a fourth street win, two zero in the ACC. I think we start to really kind of round into better shape since we fell into like bubble land again kind of recently.
0: Yeah, I know most of the uh, projections that have come out this week have us as one of the last four in. I saw us facing Texas. I saw us facing a uh, longtime postseason rival, Kansas State. Um, in both sports. In both sports, yes. We I uh, was joking with uh, John Morse over at bring on the Cats, and we are the longtime postseason rival, um, hated from back in the '90s when K State was very good football, and we were as well.
1: Um, what are we playing? Like three bowls, like three bowls total in the yeah. last like twenty years, which is weird. Kansas State's like that dude that like it, when you're when you're home for Thanksgiving and you're out, out like the night before Thanksgiving and you see like the person you don't want to see from high school. <laughs> that's uh that's Kansas State Athletics. Like no one wants to be here.
0: Yeah.
1: Someone just go to a different bar.
0: Yeah, well that that's that's gonna become West Virginia. I mean we at least have the history with that. Them. We, that
1: that's already us for West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> true.
0: <laughs> just the guy that like beats you up in high school, but then but then when you when you see each other at the bar it just keeps beating you up. We, a... were,
1: we tried to be like nice, and they were like, "Oh!" And then we then we beat them up, yeah. And then we, then their coach left. It all worked out for us. I mean, it, I, I was fine with
0: it. Yeah, it's perfectly fine with me. Um, something that you know most have probably noticed about Elijah used at this point. He's a very good rebounder. Um, he's already got six in this game. He had ten in the last game. Uh, he's had a bunch of games this year. He's had six or more. Uh, I count. One, two, three, four, five, six, and this would be number seven on the year out of a total of fifteen, which is pretty good. I mean, he's we've had you know players playing small forward that can that can rebound well, um, but there haven't been a lot. I think the rebound at this level, at least comparatively to the rest of the team. Dan, is there someone especially else,
1: for like a for a perimeter player,
0: perimeter guy who's like six six? Like, is there someone else I'm missing who like played this sort of role? Like, especially since he's played almost exclusively at the three.
1: I mean Brissette, but like obviously he is more of an interior player. Right. He's like trying to add it to his game. Where Elijah's our best three point shooter uh, is clearly a perimeter player. Um, and I think he's like, I mean, I don't want to be like crazy. I think you can make the the case that he's eclipsed O'Shea as our second best player so far this year. Uh, Definitely more hasn't
0: consistent. Been consistent enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and and Hughes like he hasn't had a he hasn't had a bad game since the Cornell game. He's been at least fifteen points every game since. And he's been at least 14 points in all but two of our games, our Eastern Washington game and our Cornell game. So even with like the bad performances, Hughes generally showed up and like had a, a pretty big impact. So that's going to be really key going forward, especially as we look to do more damage from the outside. Also, Buzz Williams hair now. I have the Virginia Tech name on my TV. What yes. is this?
0: I, I, I don't need to. I'm going to look it up, but I don't need to see that.
1: He, has like, he looks like a slightly younger uh, Thibodeau.
0: That's that's not a. His book. hair and
1: glasses. Are we getting like full hipster Buzz Williams? I hope we are. Oh, I mean. He's just going to be out, like less on the court, maybe that'd be nice.
0: Well, now he just looks like a Guido.
1: <laughs> he does kind of, like he does look kind of like the like ter- the tr- tertiary lawyer and like a bad Godfather ripoff. No, he looks like, like a, sit- sitting at the bench, but doesn't have any, or sitting behind the desk, but doesn't have any actual lines.
0: He looks like one of the husbands on Real Housewives of New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah buzz is like is this how he's getting better recruits is like you just look like one of the kids
1: oh god
0: i i didn't need to see buzz with hair i mean i i'm here for it now gotta <laughs> gotta admit d- definitely here for it now
1: um it was so jarring to see it that i <laughs> i like interrupted myself mid sentences i like looked up at the tv because since i can't put my the, the huge game on the tv right i have the va tech georgia tech game like a good acc fan and uh yeah it was like i wasn't expecting that that's not what i expected to have join my life tonight he's
0: buzz really stepping it up he's uh he, he's wearing glasses glasses he's, wearing, he's wearing layers yeah he's a second left in the game <laughs> i'm am, i i am very impressed what way to go buzz you're uh you're doing a pretty good job
1: real blackbird chic
0: i i think that i think that that is a very very accurate description
1: it uh, looks like they're going to uh, pull this one out with a three-point lead with 1.8 seconds left. I don't know. What, what, there was just an inbound to the to the opposite free-throw line. Uh, also, we might get a pointless Leitner shot, considering they're down three, but Georgia Tech, something happened there. Timeout, maybe? I don't know, on. Um,
0: Dolja seemed to have another really nice uh, assist.
1: I, He's gonna... a really good passer, and I hope we continue especially when we play those zone teams that always that pop up more and more. If, if, if he can hit that jumper from the free throw line, like he is that classic dude that would always shred us from in there. Um, he has that exact set, And he also like, he's really added something to his ball handling a bit. Like I, I don't trust him to like break someone down, but in the Notre Dame game, like he took it off the dribble. And if you just did a step on someone, like I, I like what he's kind of like slowly adding to his team. Oh, so that's not good. No,
0: that's not good. Um, uh, for, for those watching at home, uh... Marcus Sales was part of a uh, drug bust where him and fourteen others were arrested for trying to sell more than five hundred grams of cocaine. Oh! You'll remember Marcus Sales as a great wide receiver for Syracuse.
1: Really good that, that twenty twelve year experience um, in snow. Oh god! He did have he did have <laughs> a huge game in Kansas State in that first Prince Ray Bowl. There was plenty of snow there. He dove in it.
0: <laughs> Apparently not the first or last time. Uh, and now he is the subject
1: oh, of a push of T song. Um, yikes. Oh, God. This is not good, Marcus. No, this and is, his brother. This is bad.
0: This is very, yeah, not, not to make light of this, this is pretty bad. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, like we were saying about uh, Marek Dolgi though, the guy is going to piss a lot of people off, as we mentioned during the ACC tournament uh, last year. Oh, he's
1: a four-year player, and by next year, people are going to feel it becomes like a real like, frontline player for us and, like, one of our three or four best players by next season. People are going to not like him at all. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. Honestly, NBA scouts, like, I saw there was that note the other day that, like,
0: NBA scouts are looking at him and just are begging him to
1: just, like, eat more. Yeah, he's so thin. And he, we know he likes pizza. Like, just find more of it. And I know he prefers, um, what kind of pizza did he say he liked over the offseason? Yeah, I Whatever it was, we need to go find more of it. And hopefully he, I mean, if he puts on like, I mean, it's, it still need a lot because he's very, very thin. But if he can put on like 30 pounds and then knock down 35% of his threes, like we're in good, we're in business.
0: Yeah, I I think honestly, even if we can get Dojai to somewhere around like 10 points a game, like by next year, I'm pretty excited about it. This year I'll take like seven or eight.
1: Yeah, this year like he's playing better as of late. I think we're more engaged with him starting um, since we inserted him into the starting lineup, which I think is pretty much coincided with this winning streak. It has. I don't remember if he was. I don't remember if he was in the in the starting lineup for the Buffalo game. I don't think he was. I'm pretty sure we started him for Arkansas State. Um, I could be wrong. So I, if I'm wrong, someone yell at me on Twitter. Right, but, um, right
0: after those, right after those articles about him playing center, doing better, and then Behaim laughed at it.
1: Yeah, man, at and, talked, it, t- and t- talked a ton of shit and then did it anyway. Is, which is such a behind thing to do. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like ah, I don't know, it couldn't really be worse. And then it was better.
1: Yeah, no, like I, I for whatever reason though, even even with um, Chugu, like when we put him on the bench, I think the the first game was Arkansas State, and that's the game that he had like 13 rebounds coming off the bench. So it's not like his his role is. Getting diminished by not starting. Um, I think the minutes are probably about the same, maybe a little bit more slanted towards Marek, but it does seem like our offense just gets engaged earlier versus trying to find itself midway through the first half, and then it kind of rolls along uh, once you have like once you've started the game with him in this at center versus Chukwu, who is still kind of a black hole there. So it's uh, which is an issue. Um, so I, I do think that was a nice change because you kind of like roll with it. However, uh, you see, yeah, I'm looking now. So, it was the Buffalo game was the last game that we started Chukwu in the starting lineup? Yeah, I. So, th- thank you, Jim, for taking the advice of, of the bloggers, and uh, <laughs> after mocking them for the advice that you then took.
0: <laughs> yeah, this this shouldn't surprise. Although Jim's actually between that and then the fact that he called use our best offensive player in preseason, and then it's actually almost been true. Cause like Jim's I think good I for still one. Has it, but, like, yeah, he's been very good. But it's like yeah, he's he's always good for like one bout of hyperbole in preseason, and like usually the the stronger it is, the more it's wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like like the, the like the time that he said like the the in sixteen seventeen that that was like the best team one of the best teams he's ever had, and then we'd miss the tournament.
1: Oh yeah, that wasn't great. That was what I was thinking of. It's just... Him, he. He and John Rothstein used to do like a podcast every year where they just talk about the team. And it's weird because you wouldn't think of Jim as like a hyperbole like a, a person too hyperbolized about his team, and he really doesn't during the year. He
0: just beats everybody at the punch.
1: Yeah, it's it's before the year. He's always super high on his team, and then like during the year he's like Hates them. super uh, <laughs> just super realistic and to, to the point where he just like gives up and gives into like weird ideas that he doesn't think will work.
0: Yeah. Also, in weird ideas I didn't think would work, uh, Rutgers is probably gonna beat Ohio State. Not great Not, not good, especially because, well, I mean, this was a Rutgers home game And you know what they say about the rack
1: Tough place to play t- Real bad, t- bad, bad The toughest place bad to bad. play,
0: especially when you, when you look at Rutgers' sterling record at home Over the last 20 years They've <laughs> just really been unbeatable there It's amazing they've yet to make the NCAA tournament in that stretch
1: They've yet to make the NCAA tournament, I think, in my lifetime uh
0: yeah, I am looking this up now, just for the hell of it. Let's let us let us find out what Rutgers has done as a program. There
1: Nope, they made They're it they once. So I was uh, ninety one, so I was I was uh about six months old.
0: They have made it twice in my lifetime. eighty-nine, ninety-one. <laughs> Way to go, Rutgers
1: they won the Big East right well no they weren't in the Big East yet in 91 for basketball no. I don't think
0: has what, what the hell were they still in the ECAC at that point when they won the conference is that like the, the stupid middle oh they were in the A10
1: that's weird I didn't realize they were ever in the A10 yeah they were in the A10 I, were a I knew they didn't join teams. the Big East till afterwards and they've had one two three four winning seasons since joining the Big East which is no longer a conference that they are in. They've been in two others since.
0: Yeah, I, uh... Had, does any Power 5 program have a longer drought missing the NCAA tournament?
1: Northwestern hadn't made it, obviously, until... Oh, well, um, yeah, I know that. Um, I... Ugh, there can't be that many more.
0: It's, it's probably them. I feel like they've got to have the longest drought.
1: Like TCU made it recently, and
0: I—they've I, even made a Final Four more times than Boston College has.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's Rutgers because TCU was second and they made it last year, right? And oh. then I—I I think Auburn was third and they made it last year. DePaul is fourth, and now second. I'm assuming. Well, power
0: is a is a strong word for them.
1: And then Wazoo is is after them.
0: Yeah. I, I would say power is a strong word on DePaul, but everybody else, I guess, is fair Posting game. In the
1: Big East, as, as we do. I mean,
0: Rutgers is going to be eight and six. That's, that's 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 firmly on a bubble.
1: You know what's weird though? It's like they're eight and six, but they have two horrendous losses. Like I think, like precludes them from making the tournament losses, unless they just go nuts. They've lost to they lost to Fordham and uh, they lost to someone else. Oh, no, they came back and beat Columbia, but barely. So I was wrong. They they have one horrendous loss.
0: But now they have one good win.
1: Yep. And, no, they beat Miami, which is, they're not great, but it's a thing. It's something. Um. Yeah, so, I don't know. Does beating Ohio State offset losing to Fordham?
0: Uh, yes. Okay. Just, like... Just like I think beating Ohio State on the road offsets us losing to Old Dominion.
1: And I will say, they did They did play Wisconsin tough at Wisconsin. They lost by five. They played Seton Hall, who's very good tough, at Seton Hall. Um, we'll see. I, I don't think this will be a tournament team. No, I don't and either. They have a lot of work to do.
0: Speaking of tournament teams, UVA down two to BC right now.
1: ACC, it's a buzzsaw.
0: That's the thing, like... At some, this is what we saw like at the end of the Big East. Like at some point, it's too good, and like you, like it, like there's got to be like a top and a bottom. There can't be just like I mean it's happening in ACC football right now where like everybody's just kind of mediocre. So like a of averages just said like one team is going to be a little bit better by like record, but not actually on the field.
1: Yeah, I think they're they're like the Big East, the old Big East, when we, not the old old Big East, but the new old Big East like had a, that a, pretty, a big East. Yes. Had that, like that pretty, uh, stark, like tier system. And like some teams jumped up and went down, but like you knew there was going to be three teams that like you could pencil in for wins. The ACC really does not have that right now. Like even BC has been very competitive over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, Georgia tech almost beat vatech tonight. And they were, uh, the ESPN, uh, timeline thing on the top uh, it still has that as a 10 point game with 15 minutes left it's been over for like 5 minutes now hmm. um, yeah like there are no even the worst teams in the ACC like tend to fluctuate up and, and bubble up and then like there are some cycles there and right now like there are not unless I'm missing someone like off the top of my head there's no like horrendous horrendous team no not at all like Wake Forest is not very good Wake Forest is pretty bad but like the other 0-2 teams are Miami Notre Dame like those are pretty relevant regular tournament teams um and then like going up like there's no one else it's terrible but big forest is definitely i think the basement this year and they're not like they're not like all time bad they're just bad bad
0: yeah no i i think we've had some all-time bad teams i don't think that's the case anymore which hey that's that's good for the conference it makes our schedule tougher better so whatever um I think we're just about done here. Again, we're we're we're, quote unquote, watching the Syracuse Clemson game while we're doing this. SU leads by nine on my uh, on my count.
1: Clemson started in, so it's uh, six. Oh, they well. have a three.
0: Well, SU better pick it up. Uh, luckily, we didn't provide too ringing of an endorsement. Um, so if they happen to lose, that's very unfortunate, <laughs> um, and not something I'm really here for. But whatever.
1: And Frank missed a free throw. Yeah, we are uh, struggling. We are struggling to get to the line, and we are struggling when we were there. Uh, not great. Uh, and we're three for fifteen from three. Well, if we rectify one of these things, I think we'll win this game pretty easily. But um, is not a team you want to let hang around. They're 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 too good for that. So uh, hopefully, we pull this one out, and we'll get to eleven and four. We'll be two and zero oh in the ACC. Before is our next game, Duke. Our
0: next game is Georgia
1: Tech. We oh, we do have that Georgia Tech. Games oh, yeah, the,
0: the the whoever we pissed off in the ACC office to yes, put yeah give us
1: the two and three.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not a not, not not great.
1: And then we get that again later later in the month because why not have two games in three days, one at home and one on the road? It's always it's a very nice thing to do.
0: Two games in three days, and then like three games in five days. Yep. Well, oh okay, no! We have from the yeah. twenty-six
1: to the fifth, where we're just playing all over the place. We yeah. have three road games in that stretch
0: in a row. That's just um, stupid.
1: At least they're like not terribly far. Like it's Vitec BC Pit, so it could be worse in terms of travel, but kind of obnoxious. That's like one of the only be- real real benefits of of the weird like early season ACC games is that it will break up hopefully some of these crazy stretches.
0: Fingers crossed.
1: I know not everyone's, like, sold on that as a concept. I don't hate it as much as some other people. But I do think that's a distinct, like, benefit that could come. Oh, we're back at 10. Okay. So, hopefully right. hopefully this works. Hopefully uh, hopefully this hasn't been a terrible lesson and that we win and everyone's happy anyway.
0: <laughs> agreed, agreed. Uh, Dan, anything else before we go?
1: No, no. Uh, thank you for having me again. Happy birthday once again. Thank uh, you very hopefully much. Hopefully next week we will... I don't know when we'll record, but... Uh, Hopefully it's after a crazy upset of Duke.
0: Agreed, agreed. Uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, on whatever other platform you listen to us on, and go Orange.
1: Go Orange.